Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear... Rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. All right, we are back at South by Southwest virtually. Super excited to talk to you guys about this film, the documentary Soy Cubana. We have the co-directors, Jeremy Unger, Ivailo Getov, and our producer, Robin Unger. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Real pleasure. Uh, So if we can have one of our directors here introduce our audience to the film. Um, So Soy Cubana began as a short film, and it's a portrait piece of a group from Santiago de Cuba, which is an all-female a cappella quartet called the Vocal Vitas. And uh, they, um, our producer, Robin, uh, found them in performing in a chapel in 2014. Um, and then we we went back to Cuba to uh, to film them for basically just a short portrait piece um, in 2015, uh, sort of when things opened up under under Obama. And then they were brought to the U.S. to play their first show in 2017. And we sort of decided to continue this journey um, as the border happened to be closing with Cuba um, under the next administration. Um, and so we sort of stumbled upon this piece that we think really spoke to uh, the past few years that we've been through um, and spoke about crossing borders um, and, you know, became a documentary that began as a short but really grew into this much bigger feature. Yeah, I, I have to say this film, you know, when we cover these film festivals, a lot of the films are real heavy and 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 deal with it, a lot of topics that are hard and not to, I mean, of course you're dealing with a lot of heavy topics, but it really was just such a joyful pleasure, (laughs) the the entire film. It just felt really good and warm and I needed that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, I I had the pleasure of visiting Cuba a while, a while back and just remembering, just showing that beauty, the vibrancy of, of the country and the people. Um, So, uh, and, and also our, our shared humanity and our ability to spread that joy wherever we go. So um, I'd, I'd love to hear your experience making this film and, and a certain time when you thought, you know, we have something really special here. Aside from the performances, obviously we knew those were going to be magnificent, right? But w- what are some scenes, some moments when you were like, wow, this is something so much deeper? Sure. I mean, thank you for telling us your reaction to the film. It's it's great to hear, you know, people responding to it. Um, and I think you've sort of tied exactly into or, or, or tuned exactly into what those moments were, right? Like these, we talk about these relationships on a national level, or you, we talk about these things about borders and governments, but ultimately it's a story of four individual people that are affected by that situation. And they're, uh, you know, they happen to be four artists, amazing artists, and that's the means by which they communicate their passion and, and you know, uh, cross-culturally. So there's all these moments in the film and really that become the backbone of the film that are not the performances, which, you know, like you said, of course, they're gonna be great because they're professionals, they're amazing singers, but where they have these chance encounters with people that are from completely different backgrounds, um, you know, completely unexpected encounters. And yet there's a commonality there, there's a communication there. And as those experiences started adding up, we just realized how crucial that was as as the focus instead of just treating it like a concert movie. 
And um, I, I wanted to talk to Robin for a minute because Robin, you found them in 2014. You brought this back to your filmmakers and it was going to be a short and now it's not a short anymore. Can you talk about that journey from it being just a feature short to now it's a feature documentary? You know, as, as you said, the, the word joy, when, when I saw them in 2014 in that chapel, it was a moment of getting the goosebumps of feeling the emotion that you feel with music. And it just all uh, evolved from there. I came back, talked to Jeremy, who's my son about, you know, I had filmed them on my, on my uh, cell phone. I, I had this little clip of, of listen to this and it just all sort of fell into place and cut to the film festival circuit, again, with that short, we ended up going all over the place. We were in about 60 festivals and won 10 awards. And it was like, oh my God, what, you know, what's going on here? And consistently people would come to me and say at the festivals, um, when are they gonna come to the United mm -hmm. States? You have to bring them, you have to continue this film. Um, we have a music festival, we have a jazz festival, bring them. So it really um, evolved from kind of that place. And then grand performances, people there had seen the short film and contacted me and said, let's bring them. So we knew when, when that was, you know, maybe going to happen, we weren't sure it was going to happen, but we knew it was something we had to continue to film. Oh, yeah. And the grand performances is no small show. That's such a huge right. honor as an artist in general, let alone from Cuba. Uh, that's so cool. Uh, you know, you come into documentaries and you never know what you're going to get. But you guys didn't even know if you were going to have a documentary. This whole process of them getting the visa. Can you talk about just yeah. the stress for you as a as a squad? You're there as a team to make this film. And you're like, if they don't get it, what are we doing? You know, what are we going to do? I mean, I think Robin, you might be best positioned to yeah. discuss that. <laughs> I, I can say that, you know, there were, it, it was months that we were waiting for those visas to come through really. And and we, the women there, they were in, in Havana for more than a week. And we literally didn't know until it was less than 24 hours before they were to fly to LA that they got those visas at the US Embassy. So it was it was very uh, nerve wracking to say the least. And two for us as a team, we didn't know, uh, okay, uh, do we need cameras? Do we need extra people? Who Who's gonna do the sound? What's gonna happen here? And you guys can kind of yeah, talk like about you, that. You can't like commit until you know they're gonna come, but you don't right. know they're gonna come until 24 hours before they're supposed to come. So that was, that was a fun uh, nail biting period. But it's something that really helped us, I think, as a as a team was that, you know, when when Avilo and I talked about doing this, when I I, I brought this the, the video that Robin had brought back from Cuba to Avilo and we talked about going, Avilo was like, you know, if we go, we 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 don't know these people, we don't know what they're gonna be like. They we, we ended up really lucking out that there were these like incredible personalities. But Avilo was like, if we just go and we record a great album's worth of music, then that's incredible. And who knows, you know, if if just that. So throughout the process, we just stayed really, really open. Um, and I think that let us be really reactive to circumstances that were just, you know, super unforeseen. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I mean, this was, uh, you mentioned you've been to Cuba. I don't know what your experience there was, but you know, uh, there, it's difficult to communicate with Cuba. And so even going into the short and it's definitely going into the future, uh, I'd say it's, it's the least prepared I've ever been for shooting a documentary because it's just, there was so little possibility for communication. So it really changed our mindset. And I think Jeremy spoke to that very well. Like, right, at the, by the time that we're now moving into the future, we sort of have this trust in place that, you know, they're going to sort of meet us and, and talk to us about, uh, you know, every step of the way. And so we can kind of react to that. But at that point, we had already been working with them for over a year. I, I think, too, when they came, there was this element of each each day. Amazing things would occur. Nothing was planned, but it just all kept happening. You know, you could call it serendipity, whatever you want to call it. I would, you know, I would wake up and there would be, you know, somebody would say, we want to have them come to our house. We want to record them in our studio. You know, when can we, when can we see them? The, the, the show at LACMA was such a spectacular mm. thing. And that really evolved the evening of the Mambo's show. Um, Carol Bakirita happened to be at Mambo's. And she had reached out to me and said, oh, I love them, blah, blah, blah. And cut to, we were just about to leave Mambo's, having packed everything up. And Carol Bakirita calls Mambo's, because she didn't have my contact information. And she said, could I speak to Robin? So I got on with her and she said, you know, I'm doing a gig at LACMA on, next Saturday. Could they come? Could they sing with me? So again, it was, it was stuff like that every day, this would happen. And I, I realize in retrospect, being receptive, being just able to sort of kick back and let it all happen. And, and that's, it really worked. Yeah, this film made me miss the before times. I, I just oh have to God, say it out yes. loud. Yeah. So, oh I mean, gosh. Ange and I are actually friends outside of the show. And <laughs> like the, the time that those women had in L.A. felt like times we've had traveling together. So I'm like, oh, I miss I miss just having those moments of serendipity or the universe uh, giving you answers to things or just, you know, letting it go. But um, or and I wanted to talk about you guys. <laughs> being really mindful about crediting all the music during the film. I thought that was incredibly important because um, crediting artists um, doesn't happen that often, um, whether it's film, whether it's just photography um, and the arts in general. Um, I, I work outside um, of this as at a museum. And so we work with crediting a lot and you have to be really mindful about that. So I, I want um, any of any one of you or all of you to talk about being really mindful, mindful and thoughtful about crediting all the music throughout the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's something that we really felt like it was so additive to the narrative to give some more context about what the songs they were that were singing, both from a perspective of the name and who wrote it, but then also a little bit about the origin. Like there's one song that we always thought was beautiful, but we didn't realize this song was a South African apartheid protest song. Um, mm -hmm. from the 70s. Mm -hmm. And just that little piece of, of information that we added to the like bottom of the frame, you know, it could pass by and see you know, some audience members might be too engrossed in the song and not clock it. Um, but for those that do, you know, I, I hope and think it's really additive and adds a kind of, you know, um, sense of uh, like a broader scope of what this music means. Yeah, and just to add to that a little bit, I think it also emphasizes the craft of performing and singing, right? Like this is something that, that was difficult to convey in the short version is that being singers is their profession. That's their job. They're not singers and 
something else. They're not waiting tables on the side. This is their job. This is their craft. They hone, they practice. And so it's emphasizing the music itself and the, the, comp the composers and the, you know, the original origins of the music just sort of for us was another uh, way to point at that and say, this is, you know, this is how seriously they take it. So we are also are going to take it that seriously. And also just the fact that, you know, they don't write their own music. It's, it's like an interpretive art form for them. Um, and, and kind of like looking at, at that interpretive art form is something that's so valid. That's so like, uh, um, uh, you know, that the, they're these professional singers and they don't have to necessarily be huge. They don't have to have like, you know, want a fucking reality show or whatever to be taken seriously <laughs> as, as singers. Yeah. They just want to perform and make a living. You know, why, why can't, why does it have to be so hard? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's one scene at the end, towards the end, um, you know, as us, as stupid Americans, we just think everybody wants to be here. Everybody wants to have our life. And I think there's just a really important scene that plays uh, towards the end where they're talking about the realities of like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily want to live here for whatever reasons. And, um, you know, I thought it was really beautifully placed. So I, I just want to hear your opinion on, you know, why that scene was so important and why you kind of kept it in its own pocket towards the end. You know, you could have weaved these the, the narrative throughout. I'm sure they had thoughts throughout about, you know, being Maybe here. If you if you listen to it, like they do talk about, uh, you know, oh, they joke around about staying. They, they make these mm -hmm. sort of quips about staying. But at the end of the day, you know, it, this is how they felt. And I think as we sort of alluded to before, right, there's, it's easy to sort of paint this with a broad brush. It's easy to say, America's better than Cuba, Cuba's bad, America's good, and or vice versa, depending on whose who's news network you're watching, <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, it's people, it's individuals. If the most important thing to you is family, community, and safety, you know, I think there is a compelling argument there for why they would choose not to stay in America. That's not to say that we're making that argument per se, but these are individuals, right? It's not just this broad brush, big category, capital C, Cuba, capital U, United States thing, right? And that that's really the big intent there is to let them just have their own voices. And I, you know, I think it's also worth saying in, in, in that scene that that was a very kind of loaded day for us. That was their last day in the US. Um, and it was, we were doing this interview with them and we got to near the end of it. Um, and then it was Robin who chimed in with with one more question um, that uh, was was uh, you know about people deciding to to leave. And she you know spent so much time with the Vitas and really developed this bond with them that I feel like they they really were were able to kind of open up to her in a way that was really kind of special and unexpected. Yeah, you know, too, I was going to say um, a number of friends had said to me, "Oh, you know, they're." They're not going to want to go home. How how would you ever want to go back to Cuba after spending mm. three weeks in LA and all of that? And I I just you know I would say to them, no, you don't understand that Cuba is their home. This is the you know having been there with them. We I think I've been there four times with them. You see this incredible um, family bond. You see incredible ties to the neighborhood. People know each other. You walk down the street with, with one of the Vitas, and you're you know you're constantly bumping into their friends mm -hmm. and getting introduced to people. And you also realize that you know in Cuba, you know they may be the, the next door neighbor might be a poet, you know, or, and they're musicians. It's again people, as Ivailo said, people would 
kind of expect them to have other gigs. Oh, she must be a teacher or a pharmacist or something. No, they are artists. They are um, musicians. They also put down roots there, right? I mean, that, that's a, yeah. There's an interesting political discussion here that I think the, the movie very intentionally tries to paint the shades of, but is not in a position to, like, we're not authorities on the geopolitics of this, nor would we ever try to move in into that realm, right? I think we would be, um, you know, not the right people to, to, to shine a light on that. But, you know, these particular individuals have built their careers there, they have families there, their mothers, their, their you know, aunts, you know, everything is, everything is there for them. So, you know, I think it's just not so much that we're advocating one way or another, it's just that it's not a portrait that I think is very commonly portrayed when we talk about Cuba from an American perspective. And just showing that, like literally just showing that, I think is like a big step for just people understanding like what these kind of cross-cultural conversations can be. And that it's not always about somebody coming here and wanting something or coming here and, and like wanting to stay, right? Like it's just a conversation and people have worth everywhere, you know? Right. Well, I'm advocating. I would move to Cuba right yeah, now. Yeah, she's going to move right now. <laughs> so I would, I would be the worst dancer in the country, but I would move anyway. But everyone knows how to dance there. Anyway, well, thank you so much. We really love this film. We yes. really needed this film yes. in our life. And I hope it just shows everywhere. Uh, again, we've been speaking to co-directors Jeremy Unger and Ivailo Getov and producer Robin Unger of the documentary Soy Cubana. Congratulations, guys. Thanks. It was a real pleasure talking. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show is edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. 